Businesses thrive by knowing customer insights because today's insights are tomorrow's facts. At iResearch, we live and breathe insights. And despite searching high and low, we were unable to find a customer insights podcast that answers one of the most important questions in business. Why do customers do what they do? So we launched one. Hi, I'm your host, Darshan Mehta. Knowing who to talk to, you know, knowing the type of, of, of research to apply. So if you're, you know, trying to test uh, concepts, then obviously you would want to apply a concept testing template. Um, I think those are, you know, those are the main things. And then basically knowing what you're going to do with the data on the back end. So, um, and again, I think this comes back to questionnaire design. So um, when I, when I draft a questionnaire, I'm thinking about how the data is going to come back and what I'm going to do with that data. Um, especially in an agile environment, you're not going to have a lot of time to, to work with the data. So um, basically when, when we're writing the survey and when we're going in field, we're thinking, you know, we're going to look at this as top two box scores. We're going to look at the mean for this. We're going to compare these two subgroups. So I think trying to plan out the, the deliverable or, or the report in your head um, is important also. So 10 minutes, I would say, is the sweet spot. We, we typically 10 to 15. Um, we're seeing a lot more people doing more micro surveys now. So quick, really three to five minute surveys just to get the data back very quickly. Um, but we've, we've noticed that attention starts to wane a little bit on the respondents end after once you push past 15 minutes. So unless the topic is extremely engaging um, or the survey is very interactive, you know, the respondents are dragging and dropping things, um, chances are that the, the data quality might start declining after around the 15 minute mark. We're reaching a point where I'm not sure that we can get much faster without compromising data quality. So I think the industry is constantly faced with battling this quality issue. So yes, it's important to, to get the results quickly, but you know, clients need to be aware that the quicker we go, we're also more susceptible to errors. Um, so yes, we're going to continue to push and, and go as quickly as we can go. But I think there also needs to be, you know, in, in the back of our mind, the, the expectation that maybe sometimes we're pushing a little too fast. Um, so it, it's, it's impossible to automate everything. Um, I think we're getting to a point where, you know, we will be able to automate a lot, but I, I don't see, you know, computers re replacing me, hopefully, um, anytime soon. When asked in some surveys, you know, do you like this or would you take an action on this one? Which one do you like the most? Uh, this particular research, people said, I hate this. And if you did this, I would be upset. I would never do it. This is bad. I don't like it. And then they went ahead anyway and had it as part of their test. And lo and behold, that's the one that triggered the most action. The one that fueled people to be a little bit upset when they consciously thought about it subconsciously motivated their behavior. That's not always the case, but often people don't know what they will do and why they do the things they do. So having this understanding is really important. So if you say, if you have any questions, please let me know. Okay, right. Not interested. Uh, there's no reason to, or to be compelled to do anything in that. But if you say, um, when, when you have questions, 
I'm here for you. That even that is a little bit better. Uh, we can also then when we end something on a question instead of a statement, like an email. If you really want someone to respond to you, ending on a question will make it more likely that someone will respond because we feel really compelled to answer a question. So again, if you have questions, let me know. Is not the same as did I answer all your questions? Is there anything that's missing? Did I miss anything here? That is going to make someone feel compelled to say something in response, even if it's to say, oh, no, I'm, I'm good, right? Uh, but that can keep the conversation going. It's not necessarily an emotional response, but that reframe makes a difference. people love to talk about and you know what people love to think about themselves they are the most important person on the planet and the brands that win are the brands who actually start building brand purpose brand voicing brand messaging campaigning everything around their most ideal client so that's really you know no matter what it is we're doing day in and day out here i would say number one our strategy is based on persona development and that requires some selflessness it says not us. We're not that important. The most ideal client buyer is, and how can we help them? What, what's keeping them up on Sunday night? What's getting them going and excited on Monday? What are the things they're too embarrassed to admit? What are the things that are, you know, persistent problems they can't seem to solve? What are newly emerging problems that are really freaking them out? So starting with that empathy for your most ideal buyer, that's how we can actually move the right direction. Not everything can be measured. We understand that. But what we want to do is make sure that when we choose the plan next year, that we are looking directly at the measurements and saying, what do we want to double down on? And what thing are we never doing again? That did not work. So that's S-O-A-R. So just take it and go back to your own marketing plan and say, have I done the strategy? Have I organized this complete? Before we do the work, do not do any of the work. The whole year needs to be organized out. I need to know exactly what's happening over this next year. Not that we couldn't have something, oh, Priscilla, I'm very serendipitous and something happens. Great. Something happens again in accountability. Serendipity comes in and someone gives you an opportunity. Great. Is it a part of our strategy? Let's do it. Can we organize it? Let's organize it real quick. Let's add it on there. But if it doesn't, we're going to cut it out and then we're going to find out what we should repeat. I don't know what to do. Like one number says good, one number says bad. Like what do I do? And usually it just means gather more information. And so whether that's looking externally, okay, products that are similar to this that have launched in the market, what does that in-market data tell us? And Nielsen has access to all of that with their panel. Um, and then you also look at trends like, okay, what are people saying to it? You look in the open-ended comments, what are people saying there? Um, and so you look at all this kind of information. And once you synthesize that, that's what I'm mentioning earlier, sort of this body of knowledge, um, that's where you start to realize, okay, two data points doesn't make sense. But now that I have 10 different data points, qual and quant, then I say, oh, actually seven of them suggest that it is this way. I'm going to go that way instead. And so that's why a lot of times it's, um, so to answer your question, I'd say gather more insights and input. Um, and then typically looking at the quality of each of those inputs, which you believe more uh, better. Um, and then that'll help you um, make a decision of where you need to go. So you have this chart that you're able to have where you look at emotions at each of the stages. And then you can also identify where the pain points are. And then that allows you as a business to then you can quantify those pain points to understand which is most uh, important. And then you know where to go after. And then whenever you're trying to add 
a new element to your mobile app or a new experience, you then think, okay, where does that fit in with this um, with this part? And if someone is like, oh, we need to ask a, you know, a really complicated survey right as they open the app. I'm like, well, we know that's a hard place because they're already stressed out about getting the password and maybe it's not easy in some other way. So like, maybe let's find a different part of the journey and where they're opening the app to, to serve a survey or do something else there. That just is a quick example, right? So that's the idea of journey mapping is that you're looking at the entire experience, understanding the pain points. And so it helps you as a business understand where to focus. I think the future is much more integrated and iterative. So I, you know, best in class companies today, sure, they would say, go off and do an advertising uh, message, come back, they would test it. Then they would analyze, okay, what elements of this message are working? What are the best practices here? And then they would iterate, okay, how do we take, uh, take out this element, this element, and with our next iteration, make it even better. So this every single time you're measuring and doing it better. And suddenly your customer insights isn't just like, off in a room somewhere coming up with ideation, but they're really every time, okay, they're working with the, the marketing mix team, the marketing measurement team to understand what's working, what isn't. They're working with the sales team and understand like, okay, um, you know, what can we sell onto a different advertising platforms? And where does that make a difference? They're working within the creatives to say, okay, that's a great idea, but how do we make sure it connects? So suddenly you're having to work cross-functionally and you're having to just iterate over time. And I think that's the future of insights rather than a siloed function. So I think that's that's kind of number one is is inventory the data assets that you have right now and then therefore by definition figure out what you're missing in terms of getting a complete picture of how your consumer interacts with the entire category. I would say um, the second thing that to me becomes quite important is um, setting up uh, sort of a an agile you know testing lab if you will for everything that you do whether it's marketing or new product innovation or price changes or packaging changes or uh supply chain tweaks right whatever it is in your business that gets your product in front of the actual customer use your data to set up in a way that allows you to change on a daily basis try new things lab experiments and then use your own data to determine whether or not something works so where the panel data potentially deviates chances are that there was some bias introduced into the panel, which is always the challenge in any sort of a statistical sampling problem. You're always trying to figure out how to minimize the bias, minimize the variance, and those two oftentimes act in opposite directions with each other. And so you have that challenge. Having a big data set that you can always use to ground the uh, qualitative data set is a great way to remove some of that bias. And so we find that it truly is the combination of the two, one used as a as the qualitative set uh, used as a way to dive deeper into the quantitative set and the quantitative set used as a way to validate and de-bias the qualitative set. They, they work in tandem. From a product innovation perspective, your portfolio needs to broaden as opposed to shift in the movement of where you think the sort of broad definition of the consumer is going. From a marketing perspective, marketing changes a lot because I would argue over the last several decades, we have been in a one-way direction towards more and more uh, direct response marketing. Uh, you, you know, measurement of digital media was always about, if the, did the ad drive a sale 10 minutes later, 15 minutes later on the internet? And what that's resulted in is very little focus on brand building and very much a focus on just get the person in their particular need state to act in your favor in that exact need state at that exact moment. And I think what we've learned is that is not the world that we live in. Consumers make decisions all the time. They are looking for variety. They need to have your product in the back of their minds constantly. 
Getting to AHA was brought to you by iResearch. To find out more about us, head to iResearch.com. And make sure to search for Getting to AHA in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else podcasts are found. And don't forget to click follow to ensure you don't miss any future episodes. Thank you for listening.